Howdy, ladies and gentlemen, and it's quite appropriate that we say howdy uh, mm-hmm. and we begin this podcast with this word because it's quite a famous word uh, down in the southern U.S. Am I right, brother? Howdy? Yeah. Maybe for, I mean, not in my community. I will say howdy. <laughs> I, I, I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. That, that is all I know uh, from the movies that I've watched, the cowboy movies, so to speak. Okay. But yeah, uh, what's up? Yeah, yep. Yep, I get it. I get it. If I say that, it'll it sounds it'll sound very fake. So, <laughs> but uh, allow me to introduce my guest, uh, ladies and gents. This is uh, Madi, the upcoming budding artist. Well, I didn't. I never got your full name, brother. What uh, Madi? Is Marty Hill? Marty Hill. Okay. Okay. He he joins us from uh, Atlanta. USA. I've uh, disturbed him and woken him up uh, on a weekend morning, but he was uh, glad and looking forward to do it. And I was looking uh, forward to do this. He is my first foreign guest on my podcast, all the way from uh, Atlanta City, USA, once again. Uh, welcome to the podcast, brother. Thank you for having me. Uh, can you real quickly uh, tell what you do for work, brother? You're, you're a singer and a rapper. And what else, what else we got to know about you? All right, so out here in Atlanta, I'm a business owner. I run a resurfacing company, as well as I'm a recording artist out here. I write, you know, I, I perform, I sing and rap, mm-hmm. and all those types of things as well. You, you're a rapper? Yes. Okay, cool, cool. I think your uh, music is also out there on the Apple Music and Spotify, and and um, I went through your music, I went through your uh, uh, material, it was it was fascinating it was it was just it was exactly the kind of rap and african american music that i've grown up listening to i mean i don't know if you know but it is reasonably big in india the afro american rap music i mean yeah. i'm a big i'm a big fan of jay z i love kanye those are some of my favorites as well excellent excellent perfect perfect now uh brother uh, but you know uh, uh we will talk a bit about your uh, art and your work but the reason why we are doing it, this podcast this podcast is because basically you are angry and your community is going through a quite an angry time isn't it yes it is because uh, obviously uh, ladies and gents you must have seen the news you must have seen uh, the killing of george floyd by these four cops especially that one cop who was kneeling uh, on 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 his neck and uh, which ended up killing him uh, and that that was although that was not the only uh, uh, police brutality killing that ever happened in us but there was something about this particular killing that uh, sparked a us wide protest i would also say worldwide protest you know because many other people in many other countries are also protesting for your cause um mm-hmm. there must be a lot of protest in your city as well isn't it uh, yes it is we've been protesting day in and day out for like six days now Mm-hmm. I think today will today will make the seventh day mm-hmm. that we've been protesting in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. How, how are the protests going on out there? I mean, um, are they violent? Are they all right? Have they been violent at the beginning? What can you tell about that? Well, when it first started off, it was not. It's not meant to be a violent protest. It's just mm-hmm. so that we can be heard because some things that we face out here in America is. As a community, we feel, especially as an African-American community, we feel that our views and how we feel about things and the way we're treated isn't always heard by the higher-ups. So 
I felt like all the our supporters shared the grieving of George Floyd and all the other cases that's been um, swept under the rug, as I would say. Everybody had this emotional feeling about that and just wanted it to be heard. Different people, everybody has their own prerogative. So some may feel like they need to outlet that through violence and looting, but I wouldn't say that the cause 100% supported the violence and looting. It was just to get attention. It was to say, listen to us. This isn't right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, I saw in your uh, Instagram story that you were protesting out there and there was something happening with the cop. What What was that about? Can Can, can you tell well, about we that? Was, yes. A couple of my friends, we was, we was out there at the protest. You know, we were... I, I roll around with a lot of rappers and a lot of artists, so we have a good buzz out here. So people know us. So we 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 gathered a lot of attention while being out in the protest. So I feel like being that we gathered reten- uh, a lot of attention on our way out of the protest, we was we was going to park around the corner. Some police officers jumped behind us and said that my friend was recklessly driving, and hmm. proceeded to arrest my friend and 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 detained us and i in that video you'll see i'm asking him like officer why am i being detained yeah what 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 crimes have i committed and he went forward to saying that being that we was in the vehicle with my friend that that's why we're being detained he doesn't have to read us our rights he doesn't want to talk to us i feel like his his initial purpose was to try to arrest all of us but luckily in these day and times the community is so supportive You'll see in some of my videos, because I have a longer video of that situation, you'll see that some of the protesters came up and was supporting us and was like, what did they do? Boom, boom, boom. So I feel like that kind of pressure from the community is what makes them do things right. Yeah. Because any other, any other given day, because I've had run-ins with the police before, any other given day, they would have searched us all and found probable cause to try to arrest all of us. Just before that particular story, right? I was uh, I was seeing your Instagram. <laughs> you were you and your friends were finally protesting, like "fuck the police" and all that. Uh, yeah, it's, in a very low voice. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not a low voice because we stand in great numbers. You know. Oh, okay. And and it's not fuck the whole police. It's because you have good police and you have people who bend the law. We're saying that the system was built incorrectly. And that's what the meaning of fuck the police mean. It doesn't mean fuck all the good police that's out there. It mm-hmm. means fuck the ones who's bending the law, fuck the systems, change the system so that it can stop oppressing us. Where were you when, when this happened? I mean, can, can you recollect the day when you heard about this or saw about this and, and what were your initial thoughts were? Well, I was initially, at, when it first began, I was out of town. I was in Chicago on vacation with my family. Mm-hmm. And a, a couple of my friends called me and told me like, yo, this is what's going on in Atlanta and stuff like that. So a couple of days later, that's when I got back and I, I immediately went a part of it because I stand with my community and I've experienced oppression from the police before some of these cases that's happened when in my younger ages around the time when I was 13 years old. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll, even we'll, before then. We'll, we'll come to that. Uh, and uh, isn't... Uh, I mean, you're going out there protesting and people are coming out there in large numbers to protest. Uh, it must be really stressful to, you know, think that, a lot, we, yes, we are protesting in groups, but there is also a pandemic going on, right? I mean, there is coronavirus and, you know, all this stuff. And uh, isn't this 
fat stressing you out when when you're going out there i mean you have family you have kids yes i mean well i feel like i take the proper precautions like everybody have mask on gloves on for the most part you know every, you can't control everybody so some people don't see it as as serious but every time i've went out there i've had mask and gloves on i haven't been too I close that. to any big crowds yeah I, i'll keep my distance from the big crowd and try to make, be around but we're within space you know how, how are the things now in chicago i mean did any violence happen in chicago any looting and i mean i'm sorry you're in atlanta right yes i'm sorry yes i'm in atlanta yeah uh, how how's the how's the situation now are the protests uh, come come down with the level of uh, violence and i yes. what, what, how's the situation now I hello feel like amani <laughs> this is my son <laughs> say hello hi brother hello. so i feel like um when it first started mm-hmm. what people really initially was trying to achieve was justice because in the beginning of the George Floyd case they felt like the the prosecutors and things like that in the in the court system didn't handle it correctly mm-hmm. as far as prosecuting those who killed George Floyd so that had people's anger high so in the first couple of days of the Atlanta protest it was a lot of anger it was a lot of violence it was a lot of looting and that but like i was telling you before that was to get the attention to say yeah. we want justice so as you've seen like i don't support the looting cuz i feel like some people had their own alternative motives with the looting like yeah you i wouldn't yeah. say that the protest was bent around stealing things from people's businesses a lot of the people who were looting were white people too <laughs> little white exactly. kids exactly <laughs> exactly it was people that had their own prerogatives their own motives so i wouldn't associate that with the cause i feel like the cause was hear us out and we want change y'all need to imply justice in what's going on and i feel like ultimately why it got more peaceful throughout the days is because we started to achieve that like they re-prosecuted the the um the officers in George Flores case yeah. and now they're under investigation so that shows that we're hitting a milestone yeah uh, uh, how, how did the police atlanta police uh, behave in 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 your city i mean i saw a video where a, a cop smashed a, a car of, of an Afro, african american brother i mean i see yeah there is this in, for in a protest against police brutality you are seeing police brutality on the road isn't it exactly. in 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 many uh, cities i'm sure including in, in your city did you witness anything like that uh yes i i witnessed a couple police officers using excessive force that's what they call it it's mm-hmm. unnecessary to use excessive force when someone is being a peaceful protest like in that situation those students was college students and they were simply trying to pick up their friend Mhm. They were trying to take their friend home but the police yeah. officers decided to just pick and choose and arrest him yeah. for being out there. He wasn't looting their friend that that they were arresting, he wasn't looting or anything. He was simply just walking on the street waiting on his ride to come pick him up from the protest. And they continued to use excessive force and when the young brother and the young sister asked them, "Can we just pick him up?" they decided to, to for multiple police to tase them. Oh yeah I saw I saw that video I saw the video he tased those people inside the car isn't it Mhm I saw that video I saw them. yeah I saw it. And that and that's in Atlanta Yes that was in Atlanta Okay that was during the protest and this how I know like and 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 I feel like that was a prime representation of what we're trying to achieve and the mayor seen that and now those officers that was involved in that are facing charges 
So I feel like we are hitting milestones from what we're doing and not everything is violent, but I do feel like there's police officers that abuse their power within the police system and they no, use excessive force. No shit, the, the, the police got uh, charged. Um, I, I, I want to talk to you about um, your experience with uh, police brutality and then uh, let, let's go back a, a little bit. Have you grown up in Atlanta all your life? Can, can you tell me about like where you've grown up, where your parents are from a little bit about that? Okay, well, my parents are from New York City. Okay. That's where both of my parents are from. My dad's from Brooklyn and my mom's from Long Island. Mm-hmm. Well, I, but I was raised all over Georgia. I, most of my years I was raised in Atlanta, but my younger days I was raised in Edenton, Georgia. I lived in Athens, Georgia. I lived all around the metro Atlanta mm-hmm. before I've actually lived in the heart of the city of Atlanta. Right. And I've experienced all different type of, all different types of oppression. Some may say like, like my father was a religious leader. He he spoke about different religiouses, um, different um, religions and things like that and went in, into depth. And through my younger ages, that's what I grew up around. He's actually in this moment incarcerated and been incarcer- incarcerated for going on 13 years now. Oh, he's, so, doing, he's doing his time now? Yes, he's been locked. He's been incarcerated since I was seven years old. I'm now 24. My goodness. And... And he was bent around bringing the people together. He actually had an Egyptian resort in Edenton, Georgia. Y'all can research, uh, y'all can research this. It was a resort that they called a cult. They, if you look it up through the um, through Google and, and do research on Dr. York, they talked about it as it, it was a cult bent around hate and things. And I lived in it, and I I never experienced that. Like my experiences growing up was we had a large body of land that was built around our culture with Egyptian monuments and things. And I felt like that was the first representation of freedom I've ever had in my life. I was able to, as a child, I was able to run for miles and miles and not worried about being kidnapped, not worried Mm. about police brutality. I was able to share, share playgrounds with many different kids of many different races without all the oppression and things from the white, from the white man in the police system. And it was very organized. That was my experience of it. Now, there's many accusations that goes into that, that of what they call a cult, the Nuwabian Nation. But, I mean, me growing up in it, I never experienced that. All I can share that I experienced was when they raided the result. You have a question? I'm sorry. Uh, uh, you were saying this Egyptian resort, right? I mean, uh, what exactly was that about can you just explain a little more because uh, you know we, we don't know uh, much about it all right so the egyptian resort it was a land that my dad uh purchased in edenton georgia he he had multiple acres of land okay where he had people build egyptian monuments like pyramids huge pyramids and it, it was called an egyptian theme park oh, that's okay. what he used to call it oh, okay and we'll, and it it, why, why did the why did the police raid that? Uh, it was I will let you do your own research because I don't want to get too deep into it. But it was a couple accusations made against my father about um, child molestation. Oh my god! So I do I do the quotations. Yeah. Because they were they were accusations, and I don't you know I'm not gonna go I don't fully go into depth with that because there's a lot 
of politics that go back and forth within that. But right. I'm telling you, as my personal experience, I've never seen anything like that happen on the Egyptian resort. How, how much of your father's uh, arrest is, is uh, uh, how much, how much is, is the fact that your father is an African-American? How much is, uh, did that play a role in your father's uh, incarceration and arrest? For example, if, if, this, if, this, yes. if this was the case with a white man, what would have happened? If this was the case with the white man, it would have, I mean, it, it, it just depends on what the motive of what they call a cult because there's different white white Americans that established cults, but those that that um were in the past that established cults that was white America, a lot of them was bent around suicide and it had a negative tone to it. Yeah. So they try to affiliate us with that negative tone because oh my, my father God. was he was he was bent on bringing the black community together. He was all about we need to be one nation. We need to stand with each other. We need to study our real culture and right. come together and right. and basically build businesses for each other that's all black owned. So the land was, we, we was accepting to other races. So it wasn't just black people because my father felt that all Mexican Americans, um, Indians, mm -hmm. Native Americans, he felt like all of us shared the same oppression in some form form of fashion yeah. and that we all was black. That was, that was his views. He felt like all of us are black people. We all came from a, a certain source. Right. But that, like I said, it, it was a lot of different things within his theory that you would have to research for yourself. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Uh, uh, why uh, is this, is this common that uh, uh, African-American kids are uh, thought uh, they are thought right from the childhood to uh, stay away, be wary of the police, uh, be edgy when when the police is uh, when, when a police officer is around. Is is that true? Is that is that the case with you or everybody else? Most of the people within the African yes. community. Yes, within the African community, we feel like we have been targeted. We have a target on our back, and we're what's the perfect word I can say for it? It's like mm, what's I I'm, I can't get the word in my mind. It's kind of like you you're looked at first you're mm. there's gonna be a, it's like when you're around a police officer and they their automatic thought is you're doing something bad if you're in the wrong place where there's a white person there or different or somebody different they'll ask them it'll be like what are you doing here for us we're a criminal first before they find any crime when, just when, because of color of i believe when i when i listen to what you say i mean the, when uh, when when a police officer is around an african american maybe he's more stiff and his shoulders are up and he's alert he's extra yes. alert isn't it he is more edgy yes. isn't it yes, and he's, he's quite edgy. he's quite relaxed when is when when he's around a white crowd or something like that exactly we yeah. automatically perceived as a threat. We're automatically perceived as we're going to be a criminal or we're doing something bad. So they are automatically lean towards treating us as if we already committed a crime before right. actually filling out and, and doing the proper procedure to see if we're committed a crime. It's an assumption like, oh, there's a black kid over here. It's, it's, I feel like because it's the perception of the black community, they feel like, oh, they're from the ghetto. They, they live in these areas of negativity, so they automatically associate all black, black, yes, sir. Here, give them that. They automatically associate us with, with the negative entities of our surroundings, which it was 
the reasons we lived in those situations was because of them, was because of the years of slavery and oppression put on us, put a place in us in these ghettos. So yeah. when they look at us, they look at us like, they perceive us like all of y'all are the same. And that's not true. I know some young brothers who grew up in wonderful households who were very intelligent, who was focused on school, was want to go to college, want to be a great influence in their community, but has experienced has experienced brutality from the police just from a perception, just from, oh, you're black. Oh, you look like this. You're this. And it's not right. What, what, what was the top two uh, scary experiences you had with the police? I mean, if you can tell, maybe top or top two, what's the, what is the closest thing that top got two. you really squared, uh, really scared? The top two was when I was seven years old and I, I lived on the resort of my father's land. Mm-hmm. When it was when it was raided, it was raided by the U.S. Marshals. I mean, not the U.S. Marshals. It was raided by the military. Wow! The first ex, the first experience that I've ever had was seven years old, looking down the barrel of a G four, saying, "Don't move, or I'll blow your face off." G four is a huge. Um... Yes, I, I'm not really familiar with with the different type of guns, but I, I remember someone telling me that the military uses G fours, but it's a very big. Bro, there are it's a rifle. There are no guns in India, bro. So that is that is the reason why I'm asking you. Yeah. Well, but for a seven year old facing this huge ass gun in front of a huge ass officer, that must have that must yes. have been hard. Yeah. Yeah. It it frightened me as well as experiencing them see I've, I it was a moment in that time where they were lining us up when they were doing the raid. Mm-hmm. And my my older my older sister was pregnant at the time with my nephew, and she was crying because she was very scared. She was crying and screaming, and I remember one of the officers pointing the gun at her and saying, "Shut up, bitch! Before I shoot your baby out your stomach." These are things I experienced at seven years old. What? What? The and I can't. I can't. Fuck. I'm, I'm 24 years old, and I cannot get that out of my mind. Like I still have a vivid picture in my mind of that happening. I'm so that's that's at the top yeah. of my list now now the second experience that i've had with police brutality from the police because that was more military right it was when i was it, i was 13 years old they used to do these things at the skating rings called lock-in skating ring is where basically for teenagers that was our clubs We'll go skating, and when they do the lock-in, everybody will take off the skates, they'll play music, and everybody dance. So, at, in a, like, out here, we dance a certain way, so they had certain restrictions on how you should dance. And we were young boys, you know, around 13 years old, so we're attracted to the women. We're attracted to the girls our age and things like that. So we're dancing. So it, a situation happened where they end, up kicking, they end up kicking me and my friend out of the skating ring for dancing, they said we was dancing inappropriately okay, or something like that. So I remember us standing in the front waiting on my friend's auntie to come pick us up. So we was like, and an officer approached us and was like, y'all need to walk up the, this dark street and stand in front of the post office that's closed. It was a, clo- it was a post office that all the lights was off. We were, we're kids. And he was like, y'all need to walk up there. He was just very angry, very aggressive for no reason. We did nothing. We were simply just standing there waiting for our ride. He was like, y'all need to go take y'all asses up the street. Y'all need to walk up that street and stand up there to wait for y'all ride. 
And we was like, please, officer, no, like, we, we, they're not going to be able to see us up there. It's dark. We're afraid to walk over there. We, can we just please stand here? Our ride is down the street. He began to keep on uh, tormenting us. So then my friend, which was a little bit older than me, he was like 16. And he, he said, see, this is why I hate the police. He said that to the officer. He's like, see, this is why I hate the police. Why are you bothering us? Whoa. The officer decided to start getting physical and putting hands on my friend. He, he first started off with punching him in the face. He punched him, grabbed him, threw him against the car. And at the moment he started getting physical with him, his auntie, which was my friend's auntie, yeah. pulled up. And she came to the police officer and was like, no, 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 stop, stop. He's just a kid. And I remember seeing the police officer look at her and try to knee her as if she was coming to like aid and, or fight him. When she was coming uh, to say, officer, that's, that's my nephew. She was just coming and say, please stop, stop. That's my nephew. And he tried to knee her. And I remember the situation was, was used badly because none of us got arrested. Actually, one of the other officers got on to the officer, but he was never charged or anything. Yeah. He just was like, what's going on with you? The, one of the other co-officers just said, y'all can go home and things. But there was never no justice with that situation. And that was, you know, as a child, I didn't understand it back then. Or I would have I I leaned on my friend and told my friend that he should have pressed charges with that. But we was just kids and we kind of just brushed it under the rug and went about our day because the other officer came over and said, I apologize, he's having a bad day or whatever. So I just feel like it's, it's not right to try to take abuse of the power that you have as an officer. Yeah. How many uh, brothers go through situations like that every day? I mean, you know, this one George Floyd uh, killing was luckily caught on the camera. How many go on behind, you know, without cameras around? How many? Uh, thousands. Yeah. Thousands thousands i'm talking about we go all the way back to the 1900s where the rodney king situation that was one of the one of the first that was caught on camera mm -hmm. where i don't know if you're familiar with the rodney king incident where and and i think it was in los angeles where like four or five police officers just beat this black man just beat him to almost a bloody pope they almost killed him for nothing at all. And it's different situations. You could look up all the different situations. Yeah. Oh, police yeah. Brutality and, and the murdering. Like, it was a situation where a black kid had a toy gun and a police officer, and he was at a playground, and a police officer shot him dead because he had a toy gun. The worst part is they, they do things like that and they get away. That, to me, is the worst. I, I mean, the, all, all these incidents, all these situations, they they escalate so fast and so quickly with an african american rather than rather rather exactly. than you know any other uh, 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 decent race if, if in their eyes you know what i mean yes yeah and i've i've witnessed that i've actually witnessed on video where there during the protest there was white men who walked up with 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 a rifle on his back and the police officers just talked to him. Did you see that like, shit? Did the, I, I wonder if that happened in Atlanta. I, I think just a week ago before uh, George uh, Floyd was killed, uh, all, all these mofos were out there protesting for haircut with fucking AR-15s, right? Yes. Did, yes. did that, did that happen in Atlanta? One of them got shot. I don't think that was Atlanta. I forgot what, what city that was. Uh -huh. But I, I think they did pro... No, nah, I don't think that was in Atlanta. Right. But that is a prime example of 
it now let that be some black let that have been a black force of black people carrying rifles who would have been shot and killed on site there, there, there would have been a gunfight yes it would have been a gunfight and they would have been the ones who shot first because they look at us as oh they're they're being hostile they're a hostile ghetto threat <laughs> they're radicals and that's not the truth yeah so obviously the the, the thing that happened uh, with you in the resort that was the first time when when was the first time you you really realized that you are being treated different not only with the police but you know for example in the school what what was your first memory of where you felt like that i mean that was the very first that i felt and mm-hmm. like i said like my pops my my father taught on these things so he always used to tell me so i already was conscious of the oppression of black people he taught me about slavery and i i've witnessed it because of just the way i've been treated from white america mm-hmm. of white women being scared of me and i've i've been doing anything i'm walking through a park and i see them looking at me like i'm ca- i'm going to cause them harm or the way i've been treated going into a store that may be white owned and he automatically thinking i'm going to steal because i'm black and i'm in the store or just different things like it is so many different things or, or or little racial undertones where people use a very offensive word nigger and say different things you're like or oh, you're a nigger or boom or you it, it's it's hard to really explain because it's more things that I pick up that well, I notice that as far I, as comfortability I I think what you're trying to say is yeah there are, there are all these high profile racial incidents and, and and you know police killings and all but what people don't notice is the little little subtle things that you go through in in your everyday life right for example you are exactly. saying you are saying you are in a shop and people assume that you're going to you know pickpocket and and you know those little things that that must be hurting like you know little cuts like thousand cuts in a day or something like yes. that isn't it Yes, even me even now at the age of 24 me being a business owner, being that I'm a vendor and I go into people's homes, I I still experience oppression because like in this business that I'm in, if I was a white man going into a white woman's home or a white a white family's home, they would feel like, "Oh, he's qualified." But when I go into the home being young and being black, they see that I have a tattoo on my face from my from my past, they automatically think I don't know what I'm doing. they keep questioning me they keep nitpicking and i'm like ma'am i've been doing this job for 5 years i i'm a professional i know the ins and outs of what i'm doing and they just can't get it in their mind because they look at it like oh he's he's a young black guy ain't no way he knows what he's doing he it doesn't is, know what he's doing it it is a, in every aspect i think it is a little harder for people from your community to prove themselves isn't it it's just, just that little you have to do you have to work a little extra to gain the trust of you know uh, exactly. for example your customers in your business if, if you know what i mean exactly or they feel like you're not worth the price that they're paying they'll pay a white man way more but then when they see me and they be like i start to get questions like uh how long is it going to take you oh it took you that quick um how many of these you do a day why are you wondering do you feel i'm not professional do you feel i'm scamming you no i i mean for what i do is it, i'm i'm an expert at what i do so it, and it's costly so but you can't if there was a white man they won't get questions like that because i've worked in labor with white companies and seen i've like i used to do fencing and decking that was mm-hmm. a white owned company and i used to work with them i've never seen them get questioned like that ever 
it was always the utmost trust. It was always yeah. willing that the customer was always willing to pay the utmost dollar. But now me being my own owner and going into these people's homes, I get questions like that all the time. I get people calling me back for the smallest things just because it can't, they can't wrap their mind around that. I just paid this young black man five, $600 and he was only in here for two hours. It just, they don't feel right with that. If I was white, it wouldn't be no bother. Oh, he's a professional. But in, and to them, me just being young and black, it's just like, no, it's no way he could be a professional. And that's a stereotype and people got to stop relying on them, the negative stereotypes. Business becomes easy in a, in a home when there's a white person around, you know, for most people that is also the case in India, believe me. Um, uh, I, I want to talk about, you say that uh, you, you grew up in South, right? Uh, yeah. Very few folks know back here in India that, the race there is racism across us but the racism in the southern us i'm talking about states like texas alabama louisiana georgia racism yes. in the south right the, the so called the deep south right it it is it, tell me something about that because it is it is extra isn't it yes Down it's there. different you you have them like like how how i can put it it's a more aggressive tone against people. It's like, they would say, they would say little things like, Oh, I don't want him to do that. Or I don't, you know, and, and you, if you ask them what they mean, they'll try to stray from what they actually mean. But being a black male and knowing what they mean, you notice like, I don't want this nigger doing this job for me, or I don't want this nigger around my kids. Or you shouldn't hang out with people like that. And they don't know you. They don't know your background. They don't know your family. They just automatically go off of these negative assumptions of you because you're black. And it's like, even when I lived in the deep South, in the deep South, it was like, they always try to, even when, you know, even though slavery has been abolished and, you know, we're mixed, you will see like even white parents be like, yo, I don't want you hanging around the people like him. They'll say mm -hmm. things like that. Cause I had friends that was when I was kids that was white and I would go to their house. And it was just one situation where I had a friend of mine that was white and I used to go to his house all the time, but his dad was never there. And one time his dad came while I was there and I heard him tell him, I don't want you hanging around people like that. And he knew nothing of me. He didn't know nothing about where I was from. He didn't know anything about me. And he, he said that in front of me to his son, he said, you get the fuck out my house. And he was like, I don't want you hanging around people like that. Fucking balls, huh? Yeah. And, and this is experience that I see, not even just with things I've experienced. I see people, I see different uh, young black men out here go through this oppression daily. And it, it, it has to stop. And, and that's what I feel like the undertone of the whole protesting. And I love what's going on now. I love that the other countries out there are supporting it because it's, it's been recognized. Yep. And that's what I that's the only thing I do love about social media nowadays cuz social media nowadays is putting a focus on things. It's catching the things that the news decides not to put out there. Exactly. It's now giving people it's it's giving people an opportunity to see what's really going on in the community. What's how we really held back, how how things are harder for us to climb. Precisely. To be a black business to be a black business owner in Atlanta, it's not easy as it'll be for a white man. People are not willing to shake your hand as fast as they're willing to shake a white man's hand. 
they're going to give you the runaround. You have to really, like you were saying before, you have to go above and beyond to prove yourself before they're willing to shake your hand and say, okay, I respect you as a business. The, the reason why I said that line is because I remember one of my aunts, she lives in Chicago and, and, and she said, uh, do you know why I admire Obama? Um, she said it is because he had to work extra hard to become the president than any other presidents ever been in the history mm-hmm. because, because, because of his skin color. Yeah. And it's just, that's just the day, that's, that's the day to day out here, man. I, I, I've seen it. I've seen it on some of the, like, you wouldn't believe it's, it's, it's so many cases that I'm, my mind's kind of numb to it. I can't always put a focal point on it because I'm, I'm a young black man who pushes past that. I'm successful. I have a home. I run a successful business. I'm working on my music company and things like that. And I, I had to, to, in order to achieve those things, I had to make a blind spot in my mind and use those things as fuel. Use those things to be like, you know what? I'm going to prove them wrong. I'm going to show them that I, I can live at this level and, and beyond this level, you know? And it's just about supporting each other. And it's not, people feel like us wanting justice for us is is saying like oh we're against white people no black people in the black community isn't against white people we're against white people oppressing us we're against not having that real equal shot because no matter what because they they'll try to say nowadays oh things have changed now y'all not in slavery y'all have an equal shot but now if you think about it like this if you have two people racing in the beginning of a race they're both beside each other one person was hit in the leg and the other person got to make it a mile ahead with no injuries. And then when that person's behind, now you're saying, oh, well, you got equal opportunity to catch up to him. It's no way if I've already been injured in the past, in the beginning of the race. There's no way I'm going to catch up to him. He's already ahead of me unless he takes some steps back and help me get to equality with him. Yeah. And then we move forward. And that's where they'll try to lean on that. They'll try to lean on, well, we gave y'all y'all freedom. Well, we gave y'all this, but where's the land in the middle? Where, where's the things like, I just threw us in the ghetto. You threw, you threw kids without fathers in homes where they're not getting full structure anymore because most of the fathers are, are locked up or in jail. So you got kids that's growing up in households without fathers. So they're missing that man structure, the structure that makes them a provider. Because as men, you're a protector and a provider of your family. And in the black community, that's a scarcity. That's a scarcity because it was targeted to be that. They understand that that system. That's why if you study the Jim Crow law that that was implied back in the slavery days, that was a systematic thing that was set in place to make it this result. So when they try to go back on it, it makes them look crazy because like, no, but if we pull up the Jim Crow law, look, this is where y'all systematically plan to make it this way so that we we have a we we have less opportunity or we're not built with a full structure to be able to move forward we don't have that full support system that's like okay boom puts you in the place where you need to be it's like we have to work harder we have to learn the things from experience that our father should have taught us exactly this speaking of what you what you were talking about uh uh, the the systematic uh, repression that uh, that you're talking about. Let me explain, uh, uh, folks uh, from India, 
the the very brief thing that i know i mean there was there was slavery in deep south all right and this after after the civil war the slavery was banned but there was still segregation correct i mean african americans had different uh, schools than the white people african american had different restaurants different seats in the bus dif- different parks different neighborhoods different churches there was it 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 was as if african american community was living in a different country within the same land isn't it you yes. you there was absolutely no chance of mingling at any any uh, avenue in the society right uh, yeah, and okay. and of having divided that you there you are also devoid of the resources and 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 the opportunities right exactly. i mean because for example your schools are underfunded from hundreds of years your hospitals are underfunded from hundreds of years you don't have access to best healthcare you don't have access to best education you don't have best access to housing i mean these the and f- because of that there is crime and and crime leads to violence which leads to mental health issues i mean all these things pile up together and and literally no one has time to understand these things and all they see is exactly. just violence and shooting and drug wars in exactly. in the in the black community but the the people don't really have the time to like dig deep and just think little about where do these things come from and how did okay. they how did they end up where they are right exactly. and and because they don't understand that they have uh, no interest in uh, in in improving the things that that you're going through right now because they exactly. think it, it's just your fault we don't have nothing to do with it so there's nothing to improve it's it's they it's they who they put in drugs into the community yeah. putting drugs into the community has has affected and made a lot of uh, a lot of the crime and violence that's come from the kids because if you if you put yourself in someone's shoes whose mother and father was on crack growing up and they right. grew up around the streets and they had no form of protection so that mean any type of negative entity out there any type of rapist or killer murderer any anything in the streets out there that was bad it was nothing to protect them from that yeah so then when you have a person that had to protect themselves at a young age they're built differently so yeah. you look at it as, as this person is just causing crime when all in actuality this is all this person knows because y'all didn't come in and support him when his mom and dad was on crack you know he, and when that stuff keeps on going like that this is years and years and years of yeah. those things piling up yeah. and stuff like that and it's just it's got to get better man it's just that's it it has to get better that that's the point isn't it i mean people assume that all these protests are about just you know the guy the the guy was killed by the police and they want justice it it's something more than that isn't it you are not only sick and tired of police brutality you are sick and tired of uh, you know the, the the lack of improvement the lack of change that that you're 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 tired of seeing the things being the same and you're tired of seeing seeing the graph of your community just grow very slow while the other communities are just getting far ahead it's all these things come together and 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 you know they they just people uh, all these things are clicking in people's minds all these little frustrations that were there hiding they are all coming out at this particular moment isn't it on all in, in, yes. it's it's about protesting uh, about not only about protest brutality but you know inequality in various levels at at various things isn't it yes 
That's exactly the truth. Uh, I I want to because uh, we we don't have an idea about this in in India because there are not too many Africans in India. We have very very few Africans in India who come from Africa to study. But we I this is my first time interacting with, with an African person for this long. I've never you know so because I, so I wanted to know this and as as I'm sure many of the, my listeners uh, what what is this why 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 is n word a stigma if you know what i mean can you explain a bit about that and why we should not call a black person that nor we should not use that word anywhere for that matter can you please explain very shortly because like if if you go back into the slavery days that was used to say like you're less that's a nigger he's he's because of his skin like it's hard to explain but if you if you study back into the slavery days they gave us that title and their intent of giving us that title was to save their property, they're less. They're our property, they're our slaves, they're, they're nothing, they're niggers. You know, it was, it's kind of like, what, what, can I, what can I compare it to? It's an offensive statement. It's in a very offensive statement. Like it was kind of to make mockery. Like if you really study the truth of where the word came from, it's really Niger. Niger is a place in Africa. Yes. And they took it and made fun of it and said, oh, we're going to call them nigger. And that was just their way of basically their way of expressing the hate for us or to say you're nothing. You're just a nigger. A nigger, when you associate the word nigger, you associate slave owned by something better than them. Right. So that's how it's looked at now. When you say someone's a nigger, you're, you're, it's, it's, it's referring back to the slavery days saying you're nothing. You amount to nothing. You're an animal. You're dirt. Your shit—it's all the same. It's all equal to that. Because I want to make this very clear, because there are very, very few uh, uh, listeners and and, uh, and very few friends in my circle who use that word to themselves. Although we are Indians, not not to the African people, but you know, to each other, you know, uh, Indian friends. But I just want to make it clear that that is so wrong, folks. Stop using that word. Period. Right. That is the yes. message I would like to uh, give. Um, Even. I was about to say, even in America, like black people has try to turn things into a positive. Mm -hmm. So in the black community, you have you have two young brothers that be like, "Yo, my nigga, my da da da," and I even try to inform my friends, like, "Yo, stop using that word unless you're gonna say niggas. Niggas is an African word that's like n u g u s because mm -hmm. in African words that means young king. Mm -hmm. So I'd be like, if you're gonna say if you're gonna say something similar, say niggas. Like, oh, you're my niggas, not nigger. Right. You know, because niggas, yeah. niggas means king. It means king, black mm -hmm. king. So that's the only difference that where people feel like, well, in the black community, they use it against each other. Exactly. They, use, they, they talk to each other that way. Then why can't we talk in our community that way? That is the thinking, which is fucking yeah. wrong, but yeah. And I, I, I mean, I feel them. And that's why I always advise the young black community, like, yo, know what you're saying. Don't just say it because this has became a word. And, and the, I feel like the intention of using it amongst our community was to try to shed a positive light on it. It was trying to say, like, I acknowledge you're another black brother. Right. That's what, that's what it means to us when we say nigga, not nigga. Right. right. We'll say N-I-G-G-A. We try to change the stereotype around to make it more comfortable. Mm -hmm. But I feel like ultimately we should use niggas because niggas is an actual word in Africa that means king. Mm -hmm. 
Cool. Um, uh, do you know anything about uh, your ancestors or your parents? I mean, do you what what were the stories that your parents used to tell about your grandparents or your grandfather? If you had seen your grandparent, what what were the stories you used to hear from them? Because it must have been tough for them. I mean, yep, things are bad, but I think the current current generation uh, is is uh, is enjoying a, a little better world than the people in the past, isn't it? So what do you, yeah, what, what do you, what do you remember? What are your memories about the stories of, of their world in their time and, and so on? It, it was craziness. Like I've, I've heard stories or back in the day, like my brothers, my brother, one of my brother's mom, we, we you know, we had the same dad, but we have different mothers. One of my brother's mom, her father was killed by a couple white men because because of I, I forgot because of he was a business owner and he was getting a lot of money he was doing pretty good once the segregation happened mm -hmm. and they didn't like that and they decided to murder him in the streets in front of her that was a story that my brother shared with me that his mom shared with him like when she was a child she was like when she was a child uh four white men just decided to murder him because he used to take them out for ice cream he used to take them to areas where things was better and was like, you know, I feel like my kids deserve to have to have nice things because I work hard, you know, and it's and just other like other different stories, like from back in the day when I talked to my grandma, she told me when she growing up, they were just like their parents was very strict on them, like don't go over here. It was even though nowadays it's an undertone version of that. Right. Like our parents will our parents would tell us like make sure you're not in these areas just walking around because of the police. Back then, it was different. Back then, it was more serious. It was like, don't go in these areas because they will kill you. Just being black. Don't walk in a certain area. Don't be out by yourself in these certain areas. Fuck. Watch what you say. Be, they would tell them it was a more scared, like, watch what you say. Watch, you know, watch what you do. Be aware of all your surroundings because at any moment, some white people could decide to gang up on you and murder you or, or beat you up. There was things like that going on all around the city where it'd be young girls just walking or young black guys just walking and a group of white kids decide to just beat them up and hit them with sticks over the head. Or even like in, in the educational system, you weren't allowed to go to schools. I know y'all seen pictures of back in the days where, where the first black people got allowed to go to a certain college that was all white. And yeah. as they're walking into the college, the white kids are just beating them up for no reason, just jumping on them. And they were intelligent kids. They were top of their class, yeah. just wanting to have an opportunity to learn. So when I see things like that, it's like, it, and it's so many stories. That's why it's like so much. I can't even like get I, I understand. It was so much people just getting killed for no reason, just for, just for walking or, or having yeah. to use the bathroom or, you know, or even like protesting when they used to protest back in the days, they used to come out there with fire hoses, spray them. And if you know anything about a fire hose, the pressure of that water is strong enough to, if it hits a kid, it could break a bone. Yeah. And they're hitting them with batons and letting dogs on them and different things. It was crazy. Yeah. Did, did any of your uh, uh, family members uh, take part in the civil rights movement back in the day? I mean, uh, do you have any info about that by any chance? Um, I, I don't have too much info. I just have little shared stories. You know, right. yeah. I, I'm not one to try to 
lean too hard on the things like that because it's, it's hurtful, it's painful and, you okay. know, to talk about these things. So I don't try to make them revisit some of the things they experienced. Right. I kind of let it come out, come out naturally. If mm-hmm. they just be like, yo, this was it was like when I was a child, mm-hmm. then my ears open. But I don't like to really pry into it because mm-hmm. people experience some different things and there's a lot of pain and hurt that went into that. Right, right. One, uh, one, one, uh, one, one question that I totally forgot to ask is, uh, uh, yes, you have, uh, you have all, uh, all the issues with uh, racism and all that. How, what different happened when Trump got elected? I mean, what was different after Trump got elected? What, what can you I, I tell about like- that? Me personally, I feel like when Trump was elected, what, what, what made things different is the racism got out of hiding. Because mm. a lot of, yeah, like he's a, he's a very bold type of individual, speaks on how he feels about things. And when you get into his supporters, you start to see a lot of the hatred side. Mm. You start to see a lot of those who, who've always hated black people, even the slogan, make America great again, he's referring to a time where we were slaves. So that's blatantly saying to the black community, like I'm rooting for the white people who support stealing and robbing to get ahead. So that's what I feel personally. Yeah. That's what I feel personally changed. It got more bold. It got like, yo, y'all of those who's with the oppression stand up. That's how I took the whole slogan, make America great again, because in the first place, it was wrong, but that's what made America as big as it Precisely. is. It was, it was robbing and stealing from other cultures yep. and bullying. And I feel like that's what Trump represents. He represents a big bully that just believes in taking for betterment, take and steal. Even if you look into him as a businessman before he was president, that's what he prized on. He prized right. on gimme, 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 back, 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 back. Precisely. Yep. Exactly. What, what, what do you think is going to happen now? I mean, if you had a guess and if you had to put your money on something, is he going to win again? Um, I hope not. But uh-huh. I feel like what's more important is, is, is reaching out to the younger community because I'm, I'm a part of the younger community and we have this ideology where we don't want to vote. Because oh. we, feel like, we feel like the voting system has been rigged, personally. Like, a lot of the young community feels like their voice in voting is not going to be heard. They feel like that's something that can be tampered with. And they have a hard time trusting it. So they're like, what does it matter? When I talk to some of the young brothers, they're like, what does it matter if I vote? It's not going to work anyway because they control those things. So I feel like, but it's worth a try. I feel like we we should get out there and vote. Vote for someone other than Trump. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. but like I'm a man of just kind of going with the flow, so I, hopefully it doesn't happen. But we'll see what happens. And right, like one thing I can agree upon is the Most High plans everything, and everything is going to work out the way it's supposed to. Right, right. For the most part, is is it true that you know in in especially in the southern states, right? Is it true that the you know the black voters are not even allowed to register? I mean, their their names have been taken off the rolls and things like that happen. Or yeah. oh yeah, in the in the uh like the last vote like back the last polls before when Trump first became president, there was mm-hmm. a lot of things going on. There was a lot of people 
who who put a ticket in or it didn't serve a purpose. I mean, I didn't do too much research. I just heard some wind of right. things that's happening. Right. But just like everything that happens bad, it comes up in the media and then something sweeps it under the rug. Yep. Then nobody's ever talking about it again. But I've Excellent. heard many different things. I heard that, you know, that the ballot was tampered with from Russia. Right. In the last ballot. And I heard yeah. that it was a big thing in the media and then yeah. it just disappeared. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. So it was like, it's a, and that's, and I feel like that's what plays on the young community trusting that because right. you got these things that that's coming up in the media saying, oh, they're tampering with the ballots. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a, it's a lose lose. Once you start to look at things like it's a lose lose, you'd be like, what's the point of doing it anyway? It's a exactly. Lose-lose. Exactly. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, maybe uh, our podcast has been very uh, um, uh, gloomy and, and, and <laughs> with full of gritty stories, but, but I, I think there must be some uh, better things, right? I mean, you must have seen some yes. wonderful people around you from other races. I mean, what we see, what the, what the, the incidents that we see, the, these are very, very uh, small number of people who grab a massive attention, isn't it? But you must be yeah. surrounded with some wonderful people, not only from African-American community, but from other, uh, you know, other uh, communities, isn't it? Most definitely. That, and that's what I love about the, these day and age. And that's what people like the young community has to realize that we have some support. Now, the systems, that's where, where our focus is. It's not as, as bad as it was back in the slavery day. It's just saying that what made the systems the way they are now was the slavery days. So we're right. saying, like, the, if the rule books was made in an unfair time, then y'all need to change the rule books. You know what I mean? But other than that, like, in the community now, I see a lot of young Black entrepreneurs who fight against oppression and they're able to be stronger and they're able to still make it through like me, like myself. You know, I didn't, I didn't been arrested a couple of times for different things, just being a product of my community. And still at the age of 24, I managed to, to get past all the stereotypes and to be a business owner of my own, to have beautiful kids and be able to try to give them an opportunity. But that stemmed from being stronger than my oppression. So there's a lot of cases like that out here. There's a lot of young black people and a lot of young people, period, who fight past their oppression and, and work hard and, 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 and jump that hurdle. But we was more so addressing the ones that can't. There's yeah. so much odds stacked against them that it's hard for them to do that. It takes a certain amount of strength to be able to get past your oppression. Right. You know, and it takes a certain type of uh, mind power as well. You have to be driven. You have to be motivated. You have to be dedicated. These are things that motivate me. It's wanting better for my black community and wanting to be an influential force in my community. That's what drives me and motivates me to go as hard as I do, because I want to be able to make to put myself in a financial standpoint where I'm able to invest into politics to help some of these situations. Lovely. But it's very few. Yeah, it's very few that that is that driven for that. Some just feel the pain and the burden of it. And that's where I want to be the strength. I want to be able to come in for those who feel all that burden and be like, brother, sister, here, here's your way out. I'm going to help you get things because more of that is what we need. Exactly. It's, it's what we need. It's, it's, it's a misconception. These, these, these kids need, these, these young people out here that they're painting as criminals, they need help. It ain't, it ain't that they just want, it's not like they just want to go out and do this. 
it's, this is all they this is all they know at this point they need some mental help they need some support they need yeah. structured support systems that helps them full around not just in one aspect it's not just like oh well we gave you financial aid but we give you a bare minimum a lot of these people need mental support they need someone right. to help them to to know how to think better for betterment because if you've never seen betterment around you in your life it, it becomes very hard to think betterment you know or to think yeah. progression you kind of just think like it is what it is this is the way life is right and that and that's what needs to change right there right right the one thing uh, wonderful about these protests is like you must be glad that people from around are around the city i mean people from various communities races religions are coming together in this that that must have been that this is isn't this isn't this something different about this this protest isn't it every time there is a protest against brutality it's only african community uh, african american community protesting but but now it's it's all over isn't it that must that must yes, have made made it. you happy yep yes i love it that means that change is happening this is going to these moments of these situations happening is going to have a little bit of a negative undertone because of the looters but ultimately it's going to go down in history because at this moment we stand as one community it ain't about race it's about perspective it's about equality and that's what i love about now more than ever is that everybody's standing up and saying yes they have been robbed if you study and study into what the the history of slavery and things like that and 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 not just the black community you have the native american community as well that was robbed so it's other communities that's experienced forms of oppression and now everybody is standing as one and saying these things need to change we are the community the government don't make all the decisions for us we as a community should make the decisions and i i, I love it i love it 100% as long really? as it's peaceful nobody's killing each other and our point is getting across that's all that matters and i feel now more than ever the point is getting across they're hearing us out they're like wow this is what they want and we're not going to stop until we get it and that's Brilliant. just and that's what i love about now Brilliant. we're not going to stop until we get it and we're all going to stand together and yeah. hopefully in the near future there's a beautiful day where everybody's equal everybody's able to live a wonderful life for all of our kids your kids my kids anybody's kids even white people's kids as well cuz there's no hatred that comes from outside you know i i want to see everybody do great i want everybody to be good i don't want nobody oppressed everybody to have equal opportunity as you say uh, amen to that yeah <laughs> yeah uh, what are your what are your plans for the uh, upcoming days as in, in in terms of protest are you going to protest more i mean do you have a group that is you know coordinating what what's what's what lies in the future in the upcoming few days or weeks with respect to this i mean for me i'm a busy man i mean i'm i'm definitely going to be involved in the protests more you mm -hmm. know just to be a voice and to stand with my community mm -hmm. but I feel like a lot of the things start with self as well. It's right. what can you do personally to help this? That's what the protesters got to start asking themselves. What can I do in my personal life to help these situations? Mm -hmm. And I feel like the what I can do more than ever is work to grow my businesses, like being a vendor, I can help some of these young black brothers and young oppressed brothers from any race be able to be their own boss, be able right. to 
you know, have an essential skill rather than be an employee. So mm -hmm. I feel like that's, that's, that's a big deal because I didn't have that before I was able to run my own business. I would job to job and there's certain jobs I just couldn't get because I'm black or they're like, Oh, you don't have enough experience. And they put me in warehouse, all these different labor jobs. So I want to be able to give people the opportunity who, who are not good at things like that. Who's not good at, somebody being over them and talking down on them it i want to be able to be like here learn a skill be able to provide for your family so that's a part i could play as as well as once i, I get once i get into music and, and stuff like that and i get a large large financial benefits from music i'm able to give back to my community help build homes help help families get on their feet all those different things that's what i personally plan to do to help and I feel like that's where it all starts. Everybody should have a personal goal of themselves of how they want to help if they strongly feel this needs to change. And if enough people do that, it will. Uh, you, you, I, I, I uh, spoke about what are your plans in the upcoming weeks. What are your long-term plans? I mean, you, you'll grow up, you know, in the upcoming five years, 10 years. How, how do you, of course, you said uh, you, you, when you uh, get more financial, uh, you, when you're well off financially, you're going to help communities. You also spoke something about uh, politically, you're, you're going to help. Uh, can you elaborate on that? I mean, I'm talking about long-term, if you know what I mean. Well, it's, I mean, for me, I'm not going to act like I'm huge on politics. I'm not big on politics, but I, I, just some of the organizations that supporting this, you know, supporting, helping the black community and supporting the oppression and, and helping other communities. I want to be able to put money behind that. Right. And, 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 and in my growth of learning more about it, because like, I'm not going to act like I'm a big, like I know everything about the politics, but I do know about these, these different, um, I know about different uh, organizations that are into those politics and I want to be an extra force to be able to help fund, to help them get the things they need to be able to help. Right. Did you know what I mean? Right. Got it. Got it. <laughs> Brother, uh, you know, um, it is a little stressful time for, for, uh, for, for the Afro-American community out there. What, what would be your message? What would be your parting message? And uh, what, is there anything that we have spoken right now? We have been speaking for a long time. Is there anything we have missed? And is there anything you'd like to say as a message or as, as anything that you've missed uh, talking about? Um, I would just say as a parting, because I do, I do have to go. I have a couple of things to do today. Right. I would just say, to my black community and to every community out there, support each other, stand with each other. In these times, I feel like everybody needs to stand with the black community because we've been robbed and we need to stand together as in peace and those who have the financial benefits to be able to help put it into helping this. Let's all do this and let's peacefully do this. There's no hatred that we purposely want to put into this. It's only people's personal agendas. So I feel like the main biggest point is let's stand together as right. we're right. humans first. Right. So let's all stand together and let's make these systems correct for yeah. everything, every form of oppression, even for Mexicans, make, set up something where they're able to have a better opportunity in America where, right. you know, because it's different races being oppressed. I feel like the most important thing is that we all come together and work right. on all the problems as a community. Not Brilliant. just the government make all the decisions. All of us need to come together. 
Brilliant, man. I mean, uh, you have great aspirations. You have great intentions and I, you are doing great. I hope, I hope uh, all your uh, wishes come true. All your aspirations come true. I, I hope, I hope uh, you become really successful in your business and, and your music. It was an absolute pleasure talking to you. This is being the first time that I'm interacting with some, uh, with an African American. I, I had a great time talking to you. Thank the you very much. All mine, brother. Same, same here, same here. Mutual man. Thank you very, very, very much for doing this. We've, we've been talking around for, for past one week and finally we made it happen. I'm glad it happened. I hope your message reaches out, man. I wish you all the best, man. I wish you the best brother. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. That was Madi. Brother, before going, uh, before going, uh, can you tell people how we can find you on the social media? All right, so you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at The Mahdi Music, that's T-H-E-M-A-H-D-I-M-U-S-I-C, and you can find music on all streaming platforms, that's Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon, Deezer, whatever platform, you just look up Mahdi and you'll see me come up. Brilliant, brilliant, man, perfect. I think people will find you, people will like your stuff. Thanks for doing this again, man. You have a good day. Thank you. Thank you Bye, guys. everyone. <laughs>